Well, good morning. My name is Janet, and I'm one of the ministers here. I get to work with our college students and with our small groups team as well. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate those of you who a few weeks ago made the commitment to live out the DNA of First Christian Church. We had that chance a few weeks ago where we said, hey, we are going to do these things. They're part of our DNA. And these commitments will really change the world. They won't just change us or our church. They'll change the world as we live this out. And if you're someone who's trying to figure out what it looks like to get in a small group, that was one of the commitments, I'd love to talk with you about that after the service. I work with our team a lot. Uh, and I'll be down at the front if you want to talk. Uh, me and another team member of mine will be there. And we'd love to help you get connected in that way. Now, before we dive in, I also want to provide an update on something that happened last week. Uh, last week, we took up a special offering, and we were able to give over $30,000 to care for orphans and refugees. Yes, yeah. We praise God for that. For the, uh, this is specifically for the work uh, of the Romanian church that is on the border. They're helping care for the refugees there. Uh, they're still adding up the money, so we know it's over 30,000, so we are really grateful that we're able to do that. So thank you for your generosity for those of you who are a part of that. Well, last week, Ethan kicked us off on a new series on the book of Hebrews. And if you just saw that video, True and Better, that's what it's called because we believe that Jesus is true and better. But what that video kind of reflects is that the world often promises to be something true and better. It offers us a lot. It seems enticing, but it doesn't last. And we want to explore through this what it looks like to worship a God who really is true and better. And last week, Ethan taught us a trick for how to read the book of Hebrews, because if you've read it before, you'll know it's kind of complicated. It's easy to read it and think, am I supposed to know what that means? I'm not really sure. So I'll tell you what he said to us last week. He said that Hebrews has two things. It is complicated theological sections, and it is blunt, clear, powerful commands. So complicated theological sections, these sections are super confusing. It's easy to get lost in them. They're hard to understand. You know, we read them and we're sort of like, what does that mean? The author assumes a ton of stuff that his audience knew, background that was just natural to them. So it's hard for us to understand these, but it's easy to apply. And that's where we'll find the second thing, the blunt, powerful, clear commands. Because these theology sections typically end with a command. And those commands are often signaled by the word, therefore. So keep an eye out for that word, therefore, as we read through this today. So if halfway through the sermon, if you're feeling lost and like, what in the world are we talking about? Just keep an eye out and you will hear the word, therefore. And that's the takeaway. That's the clear command that we're going to practice today. So with all that in mind, we're going to go ahead and dive into chapter 3. We are picking up right where Ethan left off. And if you have a Bible with you today, I do want to encourage you, pull it out. Get this text in front of you. If you have a phone, if you've never looked it up on your phone, just type Hebrews 3 into the browser and that should come up. Because we're going to spend a lot of time in this passage and go through a lot of it today. So it starts out like this. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling... Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. 
For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ, Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Now already, I think that's kind of a lot. The first time I ever read that passage, I remember wondering what it meant. So let's go through that a little bit there. What's the first thing it says that we want to know about Jesus? Well, it says right here in verse 3, Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, That might not really mean a lot to us today in this modern context as we hear it, but the people reading the letter, they knew what he meant. They knew what he was talking about when he said that. The author is actually saying a lot more in this section than just the words that we see on this page. He's talking about Moses, the greatest leader in their history, and he's saying, Jesus, he's better than that. And he's also talking about the law. By referencing Moses, they knew that he was referencing the law because the thing Moses was most known for was bringing the law to the people. So when he mentions Moses, he's comparing not just Moses to Jesus, he's comparing the law of Moses to the law Jesus gave. Because they knew Moses gave a law and Jesus gave a law. And you're going to hear me talk about the law a lot today. So as we talk about this, I want you to know one thing, that the word for law is the word Torah, which means way, way of life, instruction, instruction on how to live. And I think that helps us make sure we're really thinking about what the law really is. So both Moses and Jesus are offering a law, a way of life that pleases God. And now these laws have one thing in common. They both offer rest. They both offer a path to rest. Rest is built into the law of Moses and into the law of Jesus. But there's a difference. They offer that path in very different ways. Moses offers a law that gives rest to those who are obedient, to those who are able to completely follow the law. That's the way the Old Testament law works, that if they could follow everything it said, if they could follow the law fully, you can rest. You can take a break. But if you fail to follow the law, if you break just part of it, well, you better get back to following the law as best you can and time to keep working on that, and maybe someday you'll be able to rest. So that's Moses' path to rest. It, It comes from those who are obedient. If you are obedient in every single way, you can rest. And the people reading Hebrews, they would have known that just as Moses gave a covenant, a law, a way of life, Jesus gave a new one. He gave a new path, a new way of life. They would know how Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus offers a yoke, a way of life that leads to rest. And through the law of Christ, Jesus offers rest to those who hold on to the faith. Jesus' law offers rest to those who trust in Jesus, who place their trust fully in him. So from all that, we've seen so far that Hebrews here claims Jesus is greater than Moses. And what we're going to discover is if that's true, 
Jesus is a true and better lawgiver, and Jesus is a true and better rest giver. That's what we're going to take a look at today, that Jesus is a true and better lawgiver because Jesus is a true and better rest giver. We'll see that more and more today, how we also see in this passage earlier, the author uses a metaphor of a house to unpack this. He says Moses is like the head servant, the foreman of the house, kind of directing others on what to do as the house gets built. He knows what the law is. He instructs them to do the law, to carry it out. But Jesus, he's different. He's the builder, the architect, the owner, the creator of the house, the creator of the law. He made it. So this gives him a different authority. If Jesus says they can rest, they actually can. Jesus has permission. He can give us full permission to rest because he owns the house. He is responsible for building it. So if he says we can rest, we know we can. And what we're going to see from this passage is that Jesus' law is better because Jesus' law actually gives rest. The law of Jesus can give us rest And that's a better rest. Jesus' rest is better, and Jesus' law is better. So today's passage paints a contrast between the two ways that we can reach that rest of God. It comes through two different lawgivers. We have it through Moses and through Jesus, servant and son, and two different laws. One that works, Jesus's, and one that doesn't. One that doesn't give us rest. So to demonstrate the problem we see with the law of Moses, the author of Hebrews reminds them of a story they would know. We'll jump back in. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So we want to pause here and get some context, because this story means a lot. It meant a lot to the author of Hebrews, and it might not mean as much to us, so we want to understand what that meant to them. Again, it's more than just the words on the page. This story would have meant so much. The story was a reminder of how the law worked, and it was a reminder of what happened when the Israelites turned their back on God, and they turned away. He's referencing here how in Moses' time, the Israelites fell away from God. In Numbers, it says, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? That's what the Israelites said. They disobeyed God. They wanted to go back. They wanted to turn away from the way, the path that God had for them because they didn't think it was working. And because of their disobedience, God said, as we just read, they shall never enter my rest. They didn't get rest because they weren't obedient. The law would have led to rest if they would only follow the law, but they disobeyed and turned away from God. To get the rest, they had to follow the law. 
That's how the law worked. You could only rest if you kept the law. Then you could rest confidently in God. And now we really want to understand a little bit of how their law worked, because it was a pretty complicated thing. So to help us understand, I have this list here. You know, they had over 600 laws, so I'm just going to read a few of them. Let's see if I can do this without it rolling off. All right, because I mean, it's a pretty long list, over 600 laws they have here. So let's see what they are and how we measure up to this. We see, number one, do not deceive one another. Number two, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Number three, don't eat shellfish. Okay, that's a little different. Number four, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've probably broken that law a few times this week, maybe even today. I mean, we can get to number four, and I'm already like, I can stop there. None of us have kept that. We got to start over. But we can keep on going. It says, number five, do not pervert justice. Number six, do not show favoritism or partiality. Number seven, treat the foreigner living among you the same as a native born. Number eight, don't hate a fellow Israelite. I mean, there's plenty more. We have over 600 laws. It goes on and on and on. But I can just read those. I could have stopped at the first one, probably, the first four. Four laws in, and it's already harder than any of us today could keep. We can't keep up with this. And even just reading that tiny little part, we can tell that this law would have been hard to keep day in and day out. And if this was your standard for rest, well, you were just going to be constantly striving and working and starting all over again. Because you messed up this morning, so all right, maybe there's hope for tomorrow to get a break. This law just led to them always working, always falling short. That's what they had to do. So the reference here to their ancestors is made to show the Israelites' disobedience. But it also shows that apart from Christ, the old law didn't work. It wasn't just, look at them, they're a bad example. It was, wow, we can't even do this today. This law did not work. It promised rest, but it couldn't accomplish rest. And because it only promised rest to those who completed the law, obeyed the law fully, they could never rest. The people just couldn't do it. And you know, that sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Maybe we're not always looking at the law like that, but as we think about that, only those who are promised rest are those who follow the law, obey the law, complete the law. I think we have some examples that we can think of in our own lives. It kind of sounds like a teacher I once had in math class who was saying, well, you can enjoy the rest of this period as long as you finish all the math problems. And there were a lot of math problems, so I was usually taking some home to finish them. I didn't actually get to have a break during math class. Or it sounds like being in college. It's spring break. It's great. You can enjoy it, but you know that research paper is due the Monday you get back, so I hope you get some rest. You're not going to take a break. You're going to be stressed out the whole time. Or it sounds like a boss I once had who said, huh, everyone around here, they leave whenever they're done. So don't feel like you have to stay till a certain time. But it seemed like there was a lot of work to do at that place. So most people were working overtime. If that's the standard for rest, getting it done, completing all the work, well, we're never going to rest, are we? I think this sounds a lot like the human heart, doesn't it? 
that we feel the need to be striving and we say, I'll let myself rest after I've earned enough, accomplished enough, after I'm popular enough, rich enough, good enough. And a lot of you here today probably came in kind of feeling that way about life. Maybe there are some moms here who've thought, well, once I am a good enough mom, I can take a break. But you know that you probably won't ever take a break because you're always just going to see this list of ways that you fall short. Or maybe there's some kids here today who are thinking, I just have to get my parents' approval. I just need to hit that mark. Maybe some 30-year-old kids, 50-year-old kids, 70-year-old kids, however old you may be, you're still crushed by the burden of trying to hit that mark, to get that approval before you can give yourself a break. Maybe some of you here are younger and you're new in your career and you're feeling like, yeah, I can take a break once I hit, I don't know, maybe 25 or so and I'm at the point I want to be in my career and I have all the money that I need and when I hit this milestone and this job and this role, once I do that, then I'm fine, I'm great. But as you move into adulthood, you find yourself realizing the finish line just moves and moves and it's always just out of grasp. Maybe some of you came here today thinking that about your life. Maybe you're thinking, I can't rest till I get there, wherever there is. Or until I finish that, whatever that is, until I accomplish this, whatever this is, until I please them, whoever they are. You're just trying to hit this mark over and over and over again, and it always keeps moving. And often we have the same attitude about our spiritual lives, don't we? That we think, if I can just get these things done, this list, or follow the law, if I can obey God and do the right things for God, well, then God will love me and then I can rest. We're guilty of that, aren't we? That we think we need to have it all together before we come before God. That we want to obey every part. And that was the Israelite situation, that they couldn't rest because they didn't obey fully in every single way. They needed to keep the law 100% in order to rest all of it completely, and they couldn't do that, so they couldn't rest. They couldn't do it all. And if that's you here today, then I'm glad you're here, because I think we all need to hear this message. This is the gospel, this is the good news of Jesus, that we can rest in God. And we're going to explore that in just a moment. But as he tells us this, he gives us a warning. The warning is that you can still miss the rest. So don't miss the rest. But the good news is this, is that all it takes to enter the rest of God is to trust in Jesus. That's all it takes. I mean, it, it almost seems too simple, doesn't it? Trust in Jesus. He goes on. Let's go back into verse 12 and see what he says about it. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving, that's an untrusting heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction, our trust in God, firmly to the end, just as he has said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? 
And with whom was he angry with for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never be able to enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief, because of their lack of trust. They believed God existed, they just didn't trust God. They weren't taking steps of faith. Apart from Christ, the old law did not work. They couldn't follow it. There was no chance to access that rest because no one could obey. But now in Christ, this rest is available to us. The only obedience required of us now is to place our trust in God. We still want to obey for other reasons, but the good news is that that is not what God's rest is dependent on. You can experience the rest God promises today, right now, and eternally. You just have to put your trust in God as your savior. That's the good news. All the rest God wants for you, God will accomplish if you just trust God. So he shares this good news to warn them that you can still miss out on it. He doesn't want them to miss out on it. You can miss out on the rest in Jesus. So trust God, turn to God. Rest is possible for us now because it is accomplished through Jesus. It's not accomplished through us or through anything we've done. And isn't that great? That it's dependent on someone else, that it was dependent on Jesus, that Jesus did the work. So the bad news from this passage is that those of us who do not trust Jesus have no promise of rest. So all this, this leads us to the next therefore. So remember, we're going to pause for a minute. We uh, talked about at the beginning, there are two things you'll find in Hebrews, complicated theology and blunt, clear commands. So if you just zoned out for that whole section, I hope you'll come back a little bit here. We did a lot of the complicated theology, so let's not miss out on this blunt, clear command that we have here. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And remember, how do we do that? It's not through obedience. It's through trusting in God. That's the path to rest. He repeats his warning, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share in the faith, share in the trust of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter the rest, just as God said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So he reminds us, or hopefully he reminds you right now, that the rest of God can be missed. We can miss out on this promise. We can miss out on this gift. And honestly, I think that's why I'm preaching this sermon today. Because we don't want to miss out on this rest. It's so important that we hear this, that we hear this is how you access the God, the rest that God has for us. We don't want to miss this. Are you at risk for missing this? It's a hard word to hear that we could miss out on it. But we want to remember that those under Moses' law missed out when they disobeyed. And we can miss out by failing to place our trust in Jesus. So will you place your trust in Jesus today? He doesn't end this section with a warning. He ends with an invitation. He says, therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, they did not go in because of their disobedience, God again said a certain day 
calling it today. This he did when long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, Moses would not have spoken later about another day. Now, for those who don't know that reference to Joshua he's making, Joshua was Moses' right-hand leader, his number one guy. And he's saying, well, if Joshua had given them rest, so he's saying here that if the law had working to give them rest, God wouldn't have spoken about another rest, which means the rest is still out there. There's a new way. There's a different path. Look at this. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Did you catch it? That was the blunt, clear command. There's a rest for us. Hear it again. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. How do we do that? We trust Jesus. That's how we enter that rest. And in the context that that rest provides, we begin to obey. But we miss out on the rest God has for us if we don't place our trust in Jesus. The passage says, they won't enter my rest because they were disobedient. They didn't enter the rest. So don't let yourself miss out on that rest today. Their obedience was keeping the law in its entirety. Our obedience is trusting Jesus. That's it. And like the Israelites in the promised land, we want to keep taking steps forward of trust, following in the direction God has for us. So what does that look like? Well, one of the ways we can demonstrate trust is by following God's law. That we believe that God's law is a way that is paved for us, an instruction for life, a way of life. And we demonstrate our trust by following that law. But we don't achieve our rest by following that law. Because... We will break the law. We want to work and try to keep the law, to live in the way that God has for us, knowing God gave us that law as a blessing. But we know that we will fall short. And we praise God for the fact that our rest isn't dependent on that. Our rest is dependent on our trust in Jesus. You know, I used to think that following Jesus meant that we had this long checklist ahead of us, almost like that list of that I just pulled up, that you could look at it and think, okay, if I do all these things, then I'm good with God. Then I can rest. And it was a long time before I realized that that's not true. God gives us this rest freely today to all of us. It's a gift God isn't looking at a checklist saying, oh, you messed up, sorry. Nope, God is offering us this rest. It's available to us today. And I thank God for that because I know I mess up. I know that I yell at my husband or get grumpy, that I'm mean to people, that I certainly don't love my neighbor as myself, and that I sin all the time. And yet God's rest is still available to me. I can still actively rest today, right now, in this moment, because I know that this rest is here for me. This rest is here for you. It's accessible for all of us, because the penalty of disobedience has been carried 
by Christ. Christ finished the work and I can rest in Jesus and I can persevere in my trust as I rest in God. That's what Hebrews is teaching us today. That if we trust in Jesus, we can confidently enter the rest of God. The rest right now, in the present, and eternally. I can be confident before God. The rest of God isn't dependent on my obedience, it's dependent on my trust. And that rest is available for you today. All you need to do is place your trust in Jesus. You think back to the metaphor of a house he used at the beginning. If you own the house, you can't rest till the house is finished because it's your job to finish it. But Jesus owns the house, so it's his job to finish it, and he has finished the work for us. So we want to remember again, in the old law, the old way, the way of the world, obedience, following the law completely was what achieved rest for them. And in the new way, the new law, Obedience is putting your trust in Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus. Don't stop trusting Jesus. And you get to rest right now and eternally. In the old law, keeping all the rules and never actually getting to rest. In the new law, trusting Jesus and resting right now as you sit here. That's the rest that's available for us today. Christ has kept all the rules for us. Christ has done the work. And today, all that's left is that we would place our lives in Jesus' hands. That's what we're called to do today. The passage makes it clear. And I love this. You see that God actually set a certain day in this passage for us to do this. What day was it? Today. That day was today. It says right there, God again set a certain day calling it today. Today is the day for you to trust Jesus. Today is the day for you to turn toward God, to place your life fully in God's hands. Today, March 13th at 10.40 a.m., today. Today, whatever time it might be, if you're watching this online or on TV later, today, this is the day where God asks us, trust me. You know, the author of Hebrews is concerned about two groups of people. You're in one of them. The first group is a group who has never said, I will put all my trust in Jesus. So if they're in that group, he's talking to you in this passage. He's, some of you are here today and you can't rest because you haven't put your trust in Jesus yet. You're still trying to live under the old law, straining and striving and working and just constantly seeing how you can do it, not hitting the mark. The author is saying, if you're in that group, trust God today. Don't wait another day. And the second group he's talking to is he's concerned about those who have labored in their trust in Jesus. And to them, if you're in that group, he says to you, persevere in your trust. Don't give up. Hold fast. Boast in this hope till the very end because we are partakers in Christ's rest. We can enter that right now. So whichever group you're in today, I hope you'll put your trust in Jesus right now. Today, today is the day for you to make that choice. Jesus is inviting you to rest in him. That rest is accessible. We rest now and eternally. Will you trust God today? So we see from all of that, 
There was a lot of complicated and clear. Hebrews has both the complicated and the clear, doesn't it? And I hope the complicated didn't catch you today. If it did, all you need to know is that God is asking you, trust in Jesus today. As we close out this message, we're going to sing a song. And I do want to challenge you, if today is your day, will you come forward? Will you place your trust in Jesus? Maybe today is your day to get baptized, to say before people, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus' hands because he did the work. Is today your day? If you have questions or want to talk later, come talk to me afterwards. You don't have to come during the song, but don't miss out on this chance. Don't leave here today without making that decision. Is today the day for you to trust God? Will you trust God today? Will you pray with me? God, we ask that you would be with these two groups of people that the author of Hebrews was speaking to those who don't trust God yet and those who need to persevere in their trust in God. Empower us to trust in you. Give us the strength to look to you knowing that you have done the work. It is finished. We look to you right now and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.